Those who say feelings are just feelings, well, feelings are not just feelings. They are actually indicators. They are connected to some idea, some image, some belief. They have their corresponding feelings. They point us to an underlying hidden condition, whether that's good or bad. They're there. Feelings are never just feelings. They're more than just that. Welcome to episode 21 of the Walking Closer podcast. I'm your host, Adam Como. Today we're going to talk about something that, well, studies tell us most men don't want to talk about. Women have no problems talking about it, and that's our feelings. Uh, this is this is something we do need to address. We do need to talk about our feelings, and we need to understand how, what these feelings and emotions are about. And this is why. We have spent a lot of time, and we do spend a lot of time, focusing on the mind and the thoughts and the images that fill our minds. What makes them so powerful, though, are the feelings attached to them. We, we can't separate our feelings from the conversation, so it's best we at least understand a bit of how this works together. So... When we talk about thoughts, let's kind of just do a recap. We, we are addressing the ideas, opinions, and, and beliefs about the world and ourselves. It's, it's, it's what our perspectives are wrapped up in. It's, it's what de- develops our attitudes towards things, right? Uh, they're formed and shaped by our life experiences. And it's all the things that we've been talking about. In fact, if you, want, if you haven't listened to them before. It's all the things that we've talked about in previous episodes of the Walking Closer podcast, and so uh, I'd invite you to go and and check those out. But today, I want want to talk about our feelings. Now, let's bring this together, because you can't talk about your feelings uh, separate from your thoughts and images, because feelings are a part of who we are. They are a part of our makeup, and it, it does us no good to deny or repress them. Right, and so when I talk about feelings, what I'm talking about, I'm using all these terms interchangeable: feelings and emotions and sensations and desires, right? those things that we feel. Okay, and, and here, here it is. Here it is. Okay, what we're talking about are things like joy and sadness and anger and jealousy and fear, being warm and cold, being hungry and full, being dizzy and thirsty, being sleepy, being weary. Uh, all the all the concepts that that these are all concepts that have corresponding feelings that cannot be detached. Okay, uh, we're talking about uh, things that in, uh, involves uh, bringing us. Uh, pleasure and pain. We're talking about uh, things that involve sexual interest and desires. I- any any sense of satisfaction, whether physical or intellectual, uh, and so on and so forth. They all have corresponding feelings, right? They include sensations we get when we're rewarded or disciplined, or when we accomplish something good, or when we fail at something. Feelings are involved in our relationships with people. Uh, I joke and say this, that when my wife saw me for the first time, her heart started to palpitate profusely. And people laugh and joke and don't take it seriously, but I'm telling you, it was real. Uh, The point is, though, you can't escape these feelings, right? They they are a part of who we are and are so intertwined in our reality and in our relations. And we often respond even out of our feelings, whether we realize it or not. Right? And so many things influence our, our feelings. For instance, 
You smiling at someone when you're not necessarily happy can actually make you feel happy. Or when someone smiles at you and you're not feeling happy, what happens? Well, it has the power to make you feel happy. Okay, or when somebody looks at you angry and you're not angry, it has the power to make you feel upset. Like, what's this person looking at me like for? What have I done to you? Those are thoughts and those are uh, things that come into our minds, right? And there's corresponding feelings with that. Uh, think about all the array of feelings you experience, like the roller coaster rides that some movies take you on. Think about the array of feelings that you experience by listening to music, right? You can listen to an album, various albums out there that you know take you through, man, just, just like, a, again, another roller coaster ride of emotions and feelings that we have. When you're sitting there listening to one's story, whether it's tragic or it's a romance, whatever it is, we go through all these feelings and it affects us when we hear this, when we see these things, when we're listening, when we're in the presence of these things, right? It it has the power to take us through all sorts of emotions and feelings. Our physical conditions influence our feelings, right? Think about it. When you're sick, how do you feel? We even, when we talk about it, we ask, how are you feeling, right? Uh, when you have ongoing ailments, all these things affect how we feel. In fact, even just asking someone how they feel can affect how they feel. It's interesting. There's a study that was done in 2013 called The Effects of Measuring Emotion. The physiological reactions to emotional situations depend on whether someone is asking. You can Google this, and I won't bore you with all the details. I find this fascinating here. Um, but the premise is this, okay? We already know how when something is being observed, okay, and it's, it, it, it's, it knows that it's being observed, it, it alters them, right? Observation is known to alter the observed. Uh, a simple uh, explain, uh, example of this would be, think of a teacher in a classroom. When they know that they're superior and they're observing them, it has the potential to change the way they talk, to change their attitude, to change the way they teach, uh, to change the reality, okay? Uh, in that moment, um, we know this to be the case. When you know someone's looking at you, when you know someone's observing you, it has the power to change the way that you present yourself, the way that you talk, your attitude, etc. Good or bad, we just know that observation will alter those who are being observed. We see this in nature. We see this uh, among human beings. Uh, we know this to be the case. Okay. So that being said, this study set out to 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 to, to see whether it was true. That if one's feelings were influenced, all right, by simply the processes that one would have to go through to assess those feelings, to monitor those feelings, etc. And I'm gonna give you a quote of, of two things here. How people feel could depend on whether someone is asking. Reporting how we are feeling requires awareness and conscious assessment of our emotional states, and these processes may alter emotional experiences. And what they concluded was this, the act of reporting on emotional states can alter emotional response. Even the simplest verbal measures invoke self-awareness of psychological processes cause changes in emotion. And so the point was this, just simply being asked, how do you feel? And causing you to go through the process of trying to assess how you feel. Had the power to make you stop feeling the way you felt, right? 
uh, so that you can assess how you feel. And maybe some more elementary uh, uh, examples of this would be, uh, I felt this and maybe you felt it as well before, when I'm feeling a certain way and someone asks me how I feel uh, and I don't want to respond and I don't I don't want to talk to anyone at the time, it has the potential to make me feel angry when I necessarily wasn't feeling angry before. Uh, the point is this, so many things influence our feelings, okay? What we think also impacts what we feel. Our thoughts trigger our feelings. I think about this. Two examples here. Let's say you're worried about something. And you're thinking about whatever it is that you're worried about. Whatever it is that you're concerned about. While you're thinking about that, it has the power to produce feelings associated with mental distress. Let's just say things like fear. On the opposite end, if you're excited about something and you're thinking about it, it has the power to produce feelings of, well, like we would associate with euphoria, right? So what we think impacts what we feel. You cannot separate the two. And Dallas Willard said it this way, and this is important, okay? This is important. There's so many things influence our feelings. Dallas Willard said this, feelings are with a few exceptions, good servants, but they are disastrous masters. And isn't that the problem? We are often mastered by our feelings. We more often respond out of our feelings because we are mastered by our feelings. When we feel things, we automatically assume those feelings are right and the actions that follow are justified, whether good or bad. An example of this would be the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 37. I'm assuming that you're familiar with this. Uh, you have four uh, people, uh, characters involved in this parable, in this story. Uh, you have the man who basically was robbed, beaten, left for dead. But then I want you to focus on the other three main characters. You have the Good Samaritan, you have the priest, and you have the Levite. What? What was different about the Samaritan? What separated him from the priest and the Levite? Well, verse 33 tells us this. When he saw him, that is the man who was robbed and left for dead, he felt compassion. He felt compassion. And those feelings led him to treating the man as a neighbor. And Jesus says, he is a good neighbor. Now, we know the priest and the Levite had feelings. We're not told what they were, but we can infer that their feelings about the whole situation and their thoughts about the whole situation were quite opposite of the Good Samaritan, and it did not motivate them in any way to treat the wounded man in a favorable way as a neighbor. And no doubt they felt justified in not stopping to help. Now, think about this. We can take the actions that are described in the story alone. Even if there were no feelings were mentioned at all. If, like, if, if it didn't say that the Good Samaritan felt compassion, even if, let's just say that that wasn't mentioned here. We can take the actions that are described alone, and we could input feelings and thoughts into the story because we know how this all works. Now, we can take what we know about the feelings of the Good Samaritan and his actions, and we could suppose probably pretty accurately the thoughts that filled his mind. And we could do the same for the priest and the Levite. 
based on what we know about priests and Levites, based on what we know about their actions, we can pretty prob we could probably pretty accurately, right, infer input what thoughts were going through their minds and how they felt in the process. Why? Because we understand it. We get this. We live it. It is it is our reality. Okay, it is our reality. So you can't separate two. Now, here's the thing. There there are, are some who say that feelings are just feelings. And then you have others who say, well, some who base absolutely everything that they do, everything, their whole lives, everything is based on their feelings. Now, I don't think either are healthy approaches. For one, those who say feelings are just feelings, well, feelings are not just feelings. They are actually indicators. They are connected to some idea, some image, some belief they have their corresponding feelings. They point us to an underlying hidden condition. Whether that's good or bad, they're there. Feelings are never just feelings. They're more than just that. But then on the other hand, those who base absolutely everything they do on their feelings, well, that's unhealthy as well. Uh, think about this. Have you ever had... Have you ever had a hard time figuring out what to eat? Have you ever done this? Have you ever been with your spouse or a friend or whatever? Say, hey, you know, it's, it's lunchtime, maybe it's dinner time, whatever. And it's like, hey, where do you want to eat? I don't know. What do you feel like eating? I don't know. You feel like eating this? No. I don't feel like eating this. Do we feel like it? You base where you're going to eat on how you feel and what you feel like eating. Now think about that. If you always based what you eat and whether or not you eat at all on how you feel, would you ever eat? Would you ever eat? Now, I realize there's a bit of humor in that, but but it is, there is some, 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 some reality to this. I want you to think about this. Did you, have you ever did not feel like maybe being somewhere and going there just went against your feeling and... You just really did not want to go. But you decided to go against your feeling. And you went. And then afterwards, you're glad you went. You feel good about going. Have you ever done that? I know I've done this, and I know other people have done this. Lots of times you hear people say this about going to church and other functions as well, but... Mainly true. I didn't feel like being here, but I'm glad I came. You ever said that? You've ever done that? Have Have you ever? Have your feelings ever steered you wrong? Now that would be a good example, right? But let me give you give you another scenario here. You ever had to have a meeting with someone to discuss some things? You just dreaded it because you just you just you thought things were just going to go horrible, and then you go to this meeting. You have this conversation, and, and everything within you prepares you for the worst. But then you were pleasantly surprised, and things went exceptionally well. How about the opposite? Have you ever felt like a conversation with someone was going to go well, but you're surprised at how they handled it? They, they responded to it. They just left you shocked and caught you completely off guard. But your feelings told you, Everything was going to be fine. Have your feelings ever steered you wrong? Do you see how it doesn't make any sense for us to be controlled completely by our feelings, but yet 
it doesn't make any sense just to dismiss them as nothing. There are reasons why you felt like things were going to be fine. There are reasons why you felt like things were not going to be fine. So feeling, feelings can be tricky and confusing, which is why we can't solely just rely upon them, but we, can, we can't also just dismiss them, right? Because they're a natural part of us. They're a natural part of our reality. They are a part of, uh, of, of experiencing life. In fact, we become very concerned, right? When people feel nothing, we, we become concerned about that. We even have a problem when people have issues with expressing their feelings, so we know that feelings are just a natural part of who we are, but we don't want to be mastered by our feelings. Therein lies the problem. We don't want to be mastered by them, right? But, but this can be proved to be difficult because we often just blindly follow our feelings and, and, and trying all of a sudden to become master of our feelings in the moment with our willpower alone. Well, good luck with that. Right? That just typically doesn't happen. But you don't want to be mastered by your feelings. And, and nothing makes this any clearer than when you talk about being mastered or controlled by destructive feelings and desires, sensations, etc., emotions. When I talk about destructive feelings here, what are we talking about? We're talking about unhealthy relationship to unhealthy response. We're talking about things that are unhealthy, okay? Things like anger. Now, I'm not saying that anger is wrong, because it's not. In fact, it's a coping mechanism. It helps protect us. There's a reason why we have those feelings, okay? But the problem is when it's unhealthy anger, and we're controlled by it, and it's destructive. Fear. Fear is not necessarily inherently wrong or unhealthy. Fear is a coping mechanism. It can help us not find ourselves in the same situations that are dangerous before. The problem is when we're controlled by fear, and it's an unhealthy fear, it's a dangerous fear, and it becomes a destructive response. Okay, Sexual attractions. Not bad. Not necessarily a bad thing. We're created with this, right? Um, but it can become unhealthy. And it can become an unhealthy feeling and a healthy response. Lusts, desires for food or other substances, right? When we're controlled by these desires that are unhealthy and we have unhealthy relationships with them, we genuinely believe in those moments when we have those feelings that those feelings have to be satisfied regardless of who we hurt, whether it's ourselves or other people. We, we, we feel like when we have those feelings that they have to be satisfied, it seems insatiable, right? They have to be satisfied regardless of the consequences. We're not thinking about the consequences. And if we are, we don't care. They, they're feelings and they have, to be, they have to be fulfilled. That's what happens when we're controlled by them. And as a result, our actions demonstrate how we're, we're just completely enslaved and mastered by these feelings, right? It, it's a part of what James talked about in James 4 when he says, What causes quarrels and fights, right? Uh, among you, is it not this that your passions are at war within you? Passions here, we're talking about things that are, are sensual. We're dealing with the senses. In other words, feelings and desires, emotions and sensations. And when you have destructive passions that are at war within you, that are controlling you and mastering you, well, we tend to engage in all sorts of reckless behavior. We we fight and argue. We, right? It's what leads us to cussing people out and 
doing harm to others verbally and physically, engaging in very toxic relationships, right? We, we do harm to ourselves, whether it's by cutting or, or ingesting drugs and other harmful uh, substances, right? And, and involves uh, behaviors associated with eating disorders, uh, developing unhealthy relationships with food and sex and money and people. These, these behaviors are all associated with feelings that control us, and no matter what, we believe they have to be fulfilled. And what we have to do is get to a place where these feelings do not have to be fulfilled. Right? Obviously, we want to be at the place where we don't have these feelings at all. Let's try to get to a place where these feelings don't have to be fulfilled. This can, be, this can seem just, just so difficult because we have a hard time seeing ourselves without these feelings. We, we can't deny them or repress them, but acting them out, it's harmful. And we know it and things have to change. We have to be transformed, right? That's why we have to go through this, this journey of spiritual transformation. But we struggle with this. We struggle with it, whether it's publicly or in secret. We struggle with this. And in part, it's because they're so intertwined with our identity. And as a Christian, as a, as a disciple on this journey of spiritual transformation, becoming the image of Jesus, we got to engage the process that actually leads to a new identity, an identity found in Christ. Think about what Paul says in Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons and daughters of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You find your identity in him as a child of God. And you engage the process, the process that we've been talking about. Colossians chapter 3 is a good place to start. Setting your mind on things that are above. Or Christ is seated on the right hand of God. For if you've been raised with Christ... That's where you set your affections. That's where you set your focus on. And this is why. Because engaging in this process removes the destructive feelings and replaces them with things like love, joy, peace, hope, etc. Like, and these are all concepts that have corresponding feelings and they correspond to things associated with redemption and restoration and transformation. And so you see, engaging the process of changing the mind actually addresses the destructive feelings that control us. But remember, feelings are indicators. They correspond to some idea, image, or belief that we hold to. And as indicators, they can help point us to the underlying or hidden conditions that need to be addressed. That's why we don't just dismiss them. But that's also why we don't want to be controlled by them. That's what we're going to talk about next time on the Walking Closer Podcast. Thanks for joining me on this episode. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and share. Connect with me on the Walking Closer Facebook page. Drop me a message or any questions that you have. Make sure to join us next time as we explore becoming like Jesus from the inside out.